Hi, this is the UX Grow Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season one, Sarah Cart, the experienced design manager for the project management tool Trello. Thank you for being here, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, so tell us a bit about your background. How'd you get to the place you are today? Sure. Um, my background definitely is one that follows a winding road, as I think many of our careers do. Um, sometimes we forget, and from the outside, it looks like quite a straight path. Um, so I'll, I'll take you back a little bit. Um, so just for, I think I, I like to kind of throw this out there for a bit of context, but in terms of studies, I studied art history and economics. So a little bit different to where I am today. Um, so just like to give that, especially for students or anyone who's like, how does this map to where I am now? Um, but something I did do in school was I had a job as a writing tutor. Um, so I worked with students on things like how to improve their grammar and communication and their college papers. <laughs> um, oh. And then essentially my first kind of career that I was aiming to get into was arts administration. Um, so I did some really awesome internships um, and was really trying to break into that when I was just getting a bit frustrated at not getting essentially a paid internship after school. Um, mm -hmm. And then I landed an internship at Atlassian. Um, and that's essentially where I've been for the last 10 years plus. Um, and that first internship was on our marketing team. And it was a really interesting jumping off point into all things tech. So again, I'd been kind of in this arts administration side. I did grow up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So you could say, you know, Silicon Valley and that atmosphere was always around, but it wasn't really something I was super close to. Um, I just really been interested in chatting with people. Um, and I think that's something I really grew into as a writing tutor and just as a kind of a mentor to people along the way. Um, and also as someone that was mentored by some really amazing people that I'm sure we'll uh, speak to um, or speak about in this chat. Um, oh, long story short, um, in Atlassian, I very quickly realized that this was a really freaking cool place to work. There were bean bags, there were colors, the office was open. It was very different to arts administration. Um, and part of me, you know, in a kind of alternate universe still thinks, you know, there's a future for being a curator at the Metropolitan, but also very, very happy <laughs> with where I've ended up. Um, but yeah, so my path towards UX basically started in marketing. Um, and when I realized I wanted to work in tech and really dig into what it was that Atlassian had to offer the world, um, by the advice of many amazing colleagues at the time, I joined what we called our customer advocates team after that internship ended. And that was basically our inbound sales support team. So we were on the phones, on emails, really answering any question from customers. Um, and that was kind of like the hardest and best way to learn about AR software and the needs of our customers. Um, so it was kind of our, our front staffed team. Um, and as part of that team, I started taking on some projects um, I started helping with our documentation and ways that we could essentially speed our team up and really help our customers a bit more quickly. And through that, I ended up moving from San Francisco to Sydney, uh, where Atlassian is based. And I worked with our support team and our knowledge management team there. 
And that is the path that ended uh, up taking me to what we called then technical writing and then technical writing management and then content design management and now experience design management. <laughs> I know it's always so fun to hear the journey of UX designers because it's uh, unlike any other career. Exactly. Uh, yes, hundred percent. I know. It's like there's so much to learn and then grow in this company as you are finding out like all these different problems and how people are using these applications, and it's just changing constantly. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, so I'm wondering, what is your favorite part of being a UX designer? Ooh. I actually think it's the fact that our jobs can change so much every day. Um, so I obviously come at things from the management side. I've been a manager uh, for the past six plus years. Uh, so I'm kind of see a work of a lot of product and content designers. So my team is, is both. So we have product and content designers. And of course, my focus is on Trello. Um, but I would say my favorite part is just the creativity with which we're allowed to solve user problems, kind of in the simplest way. Um, as a manager, the kind of cherry on top favorite part of my job for me is just being able to support people. I just love kind of seeing someone maybe struggling with a problem or just struggling with their day and being able to come in and just listen um, and then work with my partners on the product engineering, program management, marketing, you name it side and just making sure that we're connecting our designers to the right people. So I think really connection is what it comes down to and collaboration. Yeah, I know that's, that's such a different territory than I'm used to when I started as a graphic designer, where a mm -hmm. lot of it, yeah, I know a lot of it was actually very little to no collaboration at all about what is it that the client wants. And then you do it, you get the feedback, you may change some mm -hmm. things and then it's done. And like, you know, yeah, like exactly. that's it, you know, it's not like you're going into these team focus and having a grand understanding what everyone else is doing because you're all working as different pieces of the puzzle to create something that's, that is going to be used by thousands, if not millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely resonate with that. I think, so my background being more on the content design side, it, you know, sometimes you do get that like front line. That's like not exactly the word, um, Frontline workers are incredible, um, but you do kind of get that support insight when you're writing. Um, mm -hmm. Still, it's hard to kind of get that direct feedback on your work, even if you are working in a team. You know, you're not sitting in a company using your tool in that moment. You have to really kind of seek out customer insights and that validation for whether what you're designing is right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, speaking of tools, what are some of your favorite <laughs> tools? I imagine one of them has to be Trello. Of course, Trello, always Trello. Um, I mean, I'm going to be super nerdy here and rattle off a lot of Atlassian tools. Um, I will say, so Confluence was kind of my first Atlassian love. Um, and the first tool that I actually worked on was uh, what was called Jira Service Desk. It's now called Jira Service Management. Um, so yeah, anything in the Jira and Confluence family, I always just really felt quite a close connection to. I kind of saw how those tools unlocked teams. I also saw, you know, the challenges that teams faced. Um, but yeah, Trello is definitely my favorite. Um, and then Confluence, I think, is just an incredible tool for project documentation and blogging even, and lots of different things in our company and outside of it. 
Um, of course, on the design side, we are all fully on the Figma train. <laughs> um, so we have lots of fun using that tool for collaborative design. Um, and then honestly, on a personal note, I love physical notebooks. I know that's super nerdy, um, but I just love having something that I can just kind of come to outside of any given tool and just let my thoughts out. Yeah, I actually don't think using a notebook is nerdy at all. Uh, I will make okay, a strong argument. <laughs> I make a strong argument <laughs> that a lot more people should use notebooks. I and, totally agree. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the reason being is that you're able to remember so much easier when you write things down as opposed to just yeah. typing on a computer. Yeah, totally. I am definitely a strong um, supporter of that kind of like physical and digital workspace. So I have my Trello board that kind of keeps me going. And then I have my notebooks or pile of notebooks <laughs> um, that I use for a bit more of like just thinking on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because there's a lot of different ways that you can even use notebooks for. Exactly. A lot of people don't even know, even things like just doing quick sketches too. I think that's like super um, underrated with a lot of people oh, like when, they, when they're building something first and foremost. Yeah. So as you're doing with a uh, with a manager position, I know that's it's definitely different from just a standard UX designer position. So mm -hmm. I'm uh, wondering, what is some of the, the tips that you have for people to become better managers over UX designers and product uh, product teams? Ooh, I think that's a really great one. Um, I think, uh, I mean, first of all, I've I honestly have learned kind of how to be an amazing. Um, designer from my designers and then that kind of translates into how I how I manage um, and then you or are always growing as a manager and I think other managers teach you so much um, but I would have to say that I think my biggest piece of advice and one that I've gotten is just listening um, and ensuring that you're creating space for people um, in a room. So there's no kind of formula for management. There's no real formula for design either, <laughs> um, or for content mm -hmm. design. Um, so I think just having that hunger, that growth mindset, that curiosity. So on Trello, we actually have this value for our design team on constant, on being constantly curious. And we have a really cute sticker for it too. <laughs> um, and that's something that I have on my, on my desk, just as a reminder to kind of ask questions because, you know, when you get busy and things just kind of are going throughout the week and time seems to be flying by, it can just be hard to like sit and ask questions and ask why, but that's what makes us such good designers and it definitely makes us better managers. Um, so I think asking questions, I think another one for management that's maybe just a slightly different skill for designers is just that perception of what's happening around you. So being able to catch problems maybe before they escalate, um, being able to catch also maybe signals that your people are maybe struggling or needing help or thriving <laughs> and need to be celebrated. Um, mm. So I think there's there's definitely that perception piece. So where you're designing solutions and you need to be perceiving you know, user behaviors and how those behaviors translate into whatever it is you're designing. The same kind of goes for managers. It's just you're looking for a different thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the third thing is just, yeah, being across what your what makes your team productive and effective, um, and what what unblocks them essentially. 
Um, a lot of management can kind of get piled into like the process side and frameworks and all of this kind of thing, but all of those are only helpful if your team is essentially using them successfully and you're enabling your team to use them successfully. Mm, very good points. Yeah, I also like uh, resonate with the the beginner's mindset a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's how uh, we are able to learn and grow as uh, in the UX design field, because no one has it all figured out. You know, there's a lot of people who may try to feel like they are, but man, <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's like, it's funny how many people, I, those people can actually just suffer from imposter syndrome. You just not, may not even know about it. It's, oh yeah. Yeah, and like the and the more UX designers I talk about this, the more I feel like everyone has these problems too. Yeah, because there's oh, there's yeah. so much unknown things going on all the time, and I yeah, think like I that's think, the reason why. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I think that uncertainty piece you spoke to is just that is very much real life. It kind of is always around us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, all of it, I just think of a lot of things is like we're just learning as we go through the process. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be something that comes up that's new and then like redefines how we think about certain things. Yeah. I think that that's only really possible with the beginner's mindset because all of a sudden you're just doing everything the way that it's always been because you feel feel like that's how it's always, you know, it's always been working like that. But instead of like, what are some ways that it could be improved? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even you, like we've, you know, only met through this experience, but just hearing kind of your hunger for learning and cultivating voices, it's just, yeah, it's really lovely and really important, I think, for our community. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, because there's like, it feels like there's like a lot of mystery over the UX design industry that just needs to be cleared up. And once we actually have a better understanding that we can all be able to process and be have better experiences because there's also like a lot of communication problems I hear all the time from other teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like once we are actually understanding like what is everyone's duty and like why they're doing what they're doing, especially in people's behaviors and communication styles, I think we are able to really have these captivated groups and be able to create really great, meaningful things that are able to improve people's lives just because we're yeah. now have more understanding of how everything is. Instead of like yeah. assumptions, you know, like how many people make assumptions without looking at data and all of a sudden like, wow, <laughs> like, it causes so many problems for us UX designers. Oh my goodness. So often. And also just in life too. I mean, we make assumptions about people that, you know, we maybe pass down the street and it's like, we have no idea what that, <laughs> whether that assumption is right or not. So yeah, having an open mind or that beginner's mind is just so, so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Sarah, what do you have, uh, any advice for people who want to get into the UX industry? Yeah, I think, you know, I, sometimes I am still in that same position that you were speaking about before, where it's like, do I have advice to give? Like, I feel like I'm still learning, you know, 10 years in. (laughs) Um, but I think what I would say is a couple of things. Um, I think my first piece of advice is, First, the UX industry is is massive. It's really quite massive. So I think it's first of all, connecting with what part of the UX industry that you're most interested in. That could be enterprises, startups, could be designing for healthcare, for a specific type of software. Like UX means so much to so many different people and there's so many specialties within that. So I think the first thing, even though it can actually be the hardest 
is figuring out kind of what your niche is within UX. And that's not to close your mind to, to other things, but just to really focus on what your first step might look like. Um, I think something that I definitely struggled with and something that I see other designers struggling with is just trying to essentially tackle all the things at once um, and be all the people at once. Um, mm. So I know when I was starting out at con in content design, you know, you're reading all the books, you're chatting with all the people, and it's like you you start to skip steps or try to skip steps and be like, oh, okay, well, I want to do that thing that I see that person doing. And you forget all the years that they spent cultivating their experiences to end up where they are. So I think as much as you can try to focus on at least one or two things, maybe one that you feel untaps your strengths and then one that you feel like stretches you and kind of makes you a bit uncomfortable. And that way, you know, you are growing. Um, so in my case, that looked like pursuing writing. So I really tried for a long time to kind of force myself into this box of being um, a graphic designer. And it just wasn't where my skill sets lay. Um, and writing was where my skills lay. And, and even beyond writing, just editing um, and kind of putting words together on a page. Um, and so that was something that I tapped into as a strength and then allowed myself to grow in the bit more uncomfortable area of what product design was at that time. Um, so I think focusing, and I also think just doing the work. So a lot of designers that I see struggling are, and this is something that I struggled with. I actually come from more of a dance and ballet background, but perfectionism is our biggest enemy. Mm. Um, and design is not perfect. It should not be perfect. None of our ideas are perfect. Um, and yet we somehow hold them to this really high standard. You know, there's the tech unicorn, the startup unicorn. Unicorns are awesome. I don't know how they got grouped into this like impossibly perfect thing that we, we aim for, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I think just remembering that design means trying and experimenting and getting feedback. So as uncomfortable as it is, really trying to cultivate a piece of work or an example or a story and get feedback on that from someone that is in a field that you're looking to join. I think that is probably one of the most valuable things you can do beyond that focus piece. Yeah, I absolutely agree with a lot of that, um, especially uh, with perfectionism. I suffered from that a lot. It's actually mm -hmm. like I think one so of the things have, us do. I, I know it's what it's actually what prevented me from getting my book out. Um, still, still not out. <laughs> oh, come on. You've got this. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And one thing, one thing that I've learned about, uh, that helps me get out of the, the perfectionism mindset is that the world doesn't, uh, reward perfectionism. And what I mean by that is that everyone has a different definition of perfectionism. And when they are able to see what you have made, they have different opinions on what it is. So despite what you think yeah. is perfect that you created, a lot of people are going to think differently. So at the end of the day, is it really perfect if everyone doesn't think it isn't? So that's the reason mm -hmm. why I don't think it's perfectionism is, is that dragon that you always be chasing and how it's, it's actually this illusion at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those things that you definitely need. I don't know if you do post-its on your, on your laptop or on your wall, but you just kind of need that daily 
little post-it reminder, hey. <laughs> I actually designed art prints for that. Oh, that sounds way cooler. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I really love it. And it's, it's, I know it's well, it's kind of like what I do for my graphic design passions nowadays. Yeah, nice. So, I know. I'm. I, I know. I'm a graphic. I'm. I always thought I was going to be a graphic designer for uh, throughout my whole life. But mm -hmm. man, I feel like I just. I, I feel like I just outgrew it. I feel like there's there's a lot of bigger things that I just love to learn in UX design now. Yeah, interesting. So, now, I know it kind of feels now. It's, now it feels like my graphic design career was actually like a stepping stone for this moment. Yeah, actually, I love how you said that. For a while, I, I for a minute there, I was wondering if you were going to say kind of if it was, you know, like a path going maybe the wrong way, but I really love how you put that. It is a stepping stone. Everything we do is a stepping stone. You just have to kind of connect the pieces. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, like, it really helps I can do illustration work and my UX design work. And like a lot, a lot of UX designers don't, don't have that ability. So like, I'm kind of thankful that I've learned that through my process of my, oh, of my career. Absolutely. I mean, we need it. Yeah, we, you know, we need to create beautiful experiences, so. <laughs> It's definitely a super, super important skill set on our team, I know. Yeah, I know. So that's where like a lot of people always feel like they're jumping into a completely different field of UX design and feel like everything they have done so far like doesn't matter for it. So I'm like, mm. yeah. like because it's such an open field and they're always solving some different problems, as well as you know, the the different audiences that you're serving too, because you you know, you don't always know exactly what problems they're having until you see it firsthand. And, mm -hmm. you know, the more diverse people have backgrounds, the more you can actually understand, like, where people Absolutely. are coming from. Yeah. Like, if I, I know I always use the example as, like, the colorblind people. A lot of people don't uh, forget those people exist because we're always seeing color. And once we look through their lens of how they see things, we like, realize, oh, wow, they really can't see the difference between these greens and blues that, like, we can. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I actually, you know, you kind of, you asked me at the started this chat, you know, one of the favorite parts of my job, there was something that we did um, when we got all of our Alaskan, we do kind of these uh, yearly design events where all of our designers come together in one way or another. And we had this wonderful organization. I'll have to look up the name and send it to you. Uh, this was when I was living in Sydney. So they're Australian and based in Sydney. And they bring in these um, very physical activities that you do. Um, and a lot of it is around understanding accessibility and putting yourselves in the shoes of people with different ability to you. Super, mm. super cool. Um, so they'd have things like, you know, yeah, seeing screens with different colors, um, different levels of reading kind of ability, um, different energy levels. So let's say, you know, there's people with different um, kind of social comfort levels. And it's like, if I'm putting this many chips on the table, that means I have this many left at the end of the day. Just, yeah, a really beautiful experience and quite quite life-changing actually, I think, in terms of our role just as humans <laughs> and definitely as designers. You know, we, we're not just designing for this one screen that we're staring at with our ability level. Um, yeah, super, super important. Oh man, that's so cool. Oh yeah, man, I definitely would love to learn more about that. Um, yeah. yeah, so also Sarah, what is the biggest lesson you have learned so far in your career? Yeah, I have a few different answers to this, but my favorite one of the moment and what I've been chatting with my team actually a lot is one from a former manager. His name's Robert Dietz. He was our head of product design at Atlassian. Um, 
And he kind of saw me through quite a, a lot of growth in my career, both from kind of as a new manager to a more experienced manager, and then as a content design manager to a manager of product and content designers. And he gives me this analogy about spinning plates. So, you know, those acrobats where they have plates on sticks and then they kind of pile mm -hmm. them up and up and up and they're like spinning them and it's mm -hmm. incredible. Um, I think the one thing that I learned from Robert is that being a manager and being a designer is about spinning plates and understanding that some will drop. So we're not acrobats. <laughs> we're not professional mm -hmm. acrobats, at least. Um, and so where that came from was I was coming to him and I was like, gosh, is there ever just going to be like one normal week <laughs> or one day where I can just like sit and focus and like have this one project and everything will go right? No, that doesn't happen. You know, we don't control all aspects of our life. Um, and what I really loved about Robert's analogy with the spinning plates and basically what he meant is that you're always spinning something like you will never have one plate. Otherwise, you're probably not doing enough or you're just missing something. Um, and what I loved about hearing from Robert, who was a su super senior design leader, saying, you know what, sometimes there's going to be a plate that drops and you just have to decide which one that is. It gave me a couple of different lessons. One is that all senior leaders um, have these kind of same challenges. And I think that's really important for designers, like, especially as you're growing in your career, like this doesn't get easier. Like you have to get better at managing uncertainty and managing competing priorities. Um, and then I think the other important lesson from that is it is okay to fail. Like, I think we get so scared of dropping mm. the plate, <laughs> whatever that plate might be that we actually hold ourselves back um, and we do work that's not as good or creative or innovative. We have to be able to drop the plate. Um, and I've been chatting with my team about that a lot because we are being pulled in different directions. And so, yes, we need to focus. Um, it is a thousand percent my job to make sure my team is not being stretched. And then it's also my job and our collective job as designers to make sure we're comfortable with the competing things that are around us. Um, so I think that spinning plates analogy is probably one of the best lessons I've learned in terms of just coming to terms with everything that we've got going on and being able to recognize what's in our control and what isn't and dwelling on the right thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people need to hear that, that it's okay to, to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, because I know, like we we definitely it, it kind of falls in line with the perfect, perfectionism problem that we don't allow yeah, ourselves does. to be human. Yeah, it does. It does in a way. Yeah, like when, once we allow ourselves to be human, we realizing that that's when we can actually start thinking of, of like new things instead of always feeling like we have to play it safe or we have to always work on the fine details of being you know perfect on all this. So yes, exactly. I know. I think, uh, like, I can say, like, personally, man, I can look at I back that into my childhood of like how we're like we're punished in, during like elementary school, and how like we don't get rewarded or and like we're told things. I think I think a lot of the, my or at least my person. I can't speak for everyone. I think where you came from, my early childhood from that experience of how failure is something that should always be avoided. It's considered bad. It's considered like mm -hmm. weak or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas UX designers, like that's how we learn and grow. That's, you know, like if you're not failing, like I would argue you're not really trying. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I know, man. I know it's, it's such a great, wonderful lesson to learn, especially for all the people who are getting into UX design as well. Yeah, because it's hard, you know, especially I, I did not come from agency life, so I definitely cannot speak to this in my personal experience, but I know so many wonderful colleagues who did and even just hearing from you in this chat like it you know it's a very different way of working for sure lots we can learn from that but yeah you definitely need to kind of like learn to move fast I think from agency life and then also learn to be a bit more comfortable failing openly in in UX life Oh yes, well, I can at least observe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can absolutely tell you that agencies are very much a jungle. You're never doing the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. it, it, you there any kind of routine you you want to like live by generally can't happen in, in that kind of workforce. Yeah, and for a lot of pe for people who struggle with that, I thought I learned uh, that's all I learned from my uh, career. So like I can't. So like, I didn't know anything else. Like I was always just able to thrive for it because that's, I was just so used to it. So that's the reason why it was like never a problem for me. And a lot of times also, yeah. I think I get bored easily. So uh, it also keeps my attention. Yeah. But it's all, it also, it teaches you to not be able to uh, hold onto your project so dearly because one thing can get scrapped in the next second. And it feels like everything, oh, everything you did on it was a waste of time. When really, no, I look at it as everything is you're learning and you're practicing, even if it doesn't ship as a, like a, as a final project. I think there's always something to learn and grow from it. Super well said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as we're drawing close to this episode, what's the best way to reach out to you and check out what you're doing, Sarah? Yeah, um, I am a LinkedIn fan. I know LinkedIn's getting spicy and I don't know what is happening in these platforms, but please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can just find me at Sarah Carp, one word. And I do some writing stuff on Medium. Very clever at handle. It's Scarpe DM. <laughs> oh, that's um, a good handle. Very cute. I know. My, my post-college self thought she was clever. Um, but yeah, it's S-K-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. And all links to that of her LinkedIn and Medium can be found in the show notes. So you can easily check out what Sarah is doing. So any closing words you'd like our audience to know about? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say, I think don't limit yourself by what you think the field of UX is, um, or what you might think it is today. Um, I came from a content design background. I am not a graphic designer by trade. I'm not a product designer. Um, and I have an awesome team and an awesome group of colleagues and, who all come from very different backgrounds themselves. So definitely don't hold yourself back by what you think you need to have in terms of experience. Look out to people who are doing things that you want to be doing and see how you can kind of follow what they're doing and don't forget to lose your identity within that. So it is tricky, um, but definitely find the people that inspire you and remember to shape your own path based on that. Um, and yeah, just don't hesitate to keep creating. It's a crazy world out there and we just need more people 
to be in this field, to take chances and to take risks. And yeah, I hopefully look forward to crossing paths with, with some of you listening. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, that's one of the biggest reasons why I created this podcast. So I, I hope that happens. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. Thank you so much, Nick. It was a pleasure. Yeah, please do support our guests. Until then, you just listen to UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.